Well, good morning, Freedom House. Good to see everybody. You look wonderful today. I also want to welcome all of our live streamers. We got Netherlands, Illinois, North Carolina, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, New Hampshire, New Jersey, Maryland, Kentucky, and Maine. Can we give it up for all our live streamers? Thank you so much for being a part of our online campus. And uh, I'm excited for you today. How many know that it just feels like God's in this place today? Y'all came hungry today. I'm excited about, I'm going to introduce our guest speaker in just a minute, but uh, I want to mention that this week is a very important week for us as a country. Uh, Our midterm elections are this week, and um, we want to help you with that. If you have any questions about that, just talk to one of our staff people. If you're on staff here at Freedom House, would you stand up real quickly? Um, They'll help you. Uh, If you're kind of like, what do I do? How do I do this? Where where do I go? We want to help you with that. We want to help you. This is a very important midterm election for our country, and I want you to understand that. We have uh, Ross Monks with us. Stand up, Ross. Um, He is running. He's a part of our church for county commissioner. So thank you so much for, for just uh, standing firm in your faith, first and foremost, not being a politician, but be a man of values and morals. So thank you for what you're doing. And I'm thankful that we have people in our church that are deciding to get involved in the town square to make a change for this country. And uh, we're going to take it back for Jesus and believe God for it. Today, we, I, I'm so honored. Um, for many of you, the way that we work as a church, I have two boards that function in our church. I have an internal board and an external board. Um, and this is the way we set the church up right from the very beginning. I was uh, given some great wisdom from my pastor, Pastor Dennis Rouse. And he said, here, this is how you should do it to make sure that you grow and are able to continue on. And so I have an internal board made up of five people that run the church. And the way that they work is they, they look at the church with Penny and Troy in mind. That's the way they look. So, you know, Penny, Penny and Troy are secondary to the growth of the church. Then I have what's called an external board. And that external board is Troy and Penny with the church in mind. That's kind of how it works. They, they look out for us. They take care of us. And so if Penny messes up, you know, they're here to fix her. I mean, I'm never going to mess up. So just for her, they, they, you know, they're, there's guardrails for her. And uh, I have three wonderful men. Um, you've met several. You've met them all. They've all been here. Pastor Gerald Brooks, Pastor Steve Smotherman, and Pastor Lee Domain is with us today. Um, and I want to introduce him because many of you don't know Lee, and he's going to tell you a little bit about his story, but he has a gift on his life. Um, he's a businessman that believes in the kingdom of God. And what he has done is we have supported a ministry that him and his wife started called Trafficking Hope out of Louisiana. They rescue women. We as a church have been supporting them for many years at a very high level. You have been supporting them. But um, even more than that, what he does for the kingdom is he helps churches understand the gift of giving. Uh, It's a gift that sometimes is overlooked that many of you operate in. And I'm excited to have him here sharing uh, at the beginning of this start of this series, Faith Over Fear. Could you stand up and give uh, one of my pastors a big Freedom House Church welcome, (laughs) Pastor Lee Domain. Come on, Freedom House, let's give it up for Jesus. Come on. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on. You guys be seated. 
Man, I'm so excited to be in the great state of North Carolina. And, uh, you know, I do uh, live in the uh, state of Alabama in Birmingham. And, uh, but I am not. I am not an Alabama fan. I am an LSU fan. And so I was born and raised in Louisiana. And uh, family very Cajun. You know, my, my, uh, your pastor Mike up there doing the announcements, they leaned over and they said, man, he's from Louisiana. And I said, yep, I could tell he's from Louisiana. Because you know what? Us Cajun people, you're going to have a great time, but you're not going to learn nothing. <laughs> and we know how to eat good. Come on, somebody. And uh, Louisiana is the only place where when you go and you get yourself some of that good food, you leave. They don't give you breath mints. They give you cholesterol medicine is what they do. <laughs> I was so pumped last night staying up. I told Pastor Troy, he, you know, we had dinner last night, and he gave me a cup of coffee. And, uh, you know, like, uh, how wise was that? It's 9 o'clock at night, and I'm drinking coffee. Uh, but I was cheering my LSU Tigers on to that victory. And uh, I have to repent publicly because I definitely got in the flesh. I haven't liked our coach at all since uh, we inherited this guy from Notre Dame, and he just didn't seem like a fit. But I'm going to tell you what, when you win in college football, it just kind of happens to become a fit. And so <laughs> I kind of like him a lot now. Um, but I'm honored to be here. Love your pastors. Uh, Troy and Penny have known them a long time, and uh, we've traveled together. We've been at certain places together, and I just love their passion. What you see is what you get. Um, I love their love of the Word of God. I love for their, their love for each other and their family and then this family and then the whole body of Christ. And so, brother, the vision that's on your life, you know, the only thing I got to also repent is I hope one day when I die and go to heaven, I get a figure like Pastor Troy, <laughs> you know, because it just ain't working for me in the gym. But, uh, but you're a blessing, brother. And you and Penny, I love the fact of your authenticity. You keep being you. You keep being who God's called you to be. The best place to be is where God's called you. And, you know, I was in business for a long time. I still have some business interests. But to give you some context, I'm going to first start out with my family. And uh, I've been married for 33 years to the same woman. Come on. And, and she is amazing. Uh, we got five children, four boys and one girl, and uh, I've got a picture of my crew right here. And uh, so, yeah, come on, somebody. So, so my wife, Laura, and I, you know, 33 years of marriage, five kids, four daughter-in-loves, and uh, I love that. All my boys married some amazing women that love Jesus, and they love their father-in-law, and which makes it a good day. Um, got my daughter, Bella. You know, uh, she is uh, the caboose right there on my left, and kind of all of them are my pride and joy, but she's my pride and joy and very expensive. <laughs> if you got daughters, you know what I'm talking about, brother. But you have grandbabies. Grandbabies are amazing. Grandbabies are God's gift for not killing your kids. And <laughs> if you don't have them yet, hang on, better ones are coming. And so having their grandbabies, they just think I'm it on a stick. They call, they're supposed to be pops. My wife's lovey, perfect name for her. Supposed to be pops. So I'm bribing my grandbabies on trying to be the first words out of their mouth is my name. And so I'm like, pops, 
Pops. Say, Pops. And how many of you know the oldest one, the first one speaking, is going to name you? And that's dangerous. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to be Peepaw. I don't want to be, you know, I just, please, Lord, please, Lord. And so sure enough, the Lord answered my prayer because it was the prophetic voice of the Lord that came out of little Evelyn when she came up to me and she was trying to say Pops, but it came out as simply, boss, boss, boss. I was like, yes, I am boss. Yes. So it's boss and it's lovey. And we're having a great time down in Birmingham, Alabama. So in business, 35 years, primarily in the financial tech uh, area, Charlotte's known for its banking community. We had over 15,000 lenders, banks, financial institutions across the world that used our products and services. Uh, it's very boring, but it's quite lucrative, and it's mitigating fraud risk uh, in the lending sector. And uh, so started that business out of the basement of a rent house. Um, I was a two-year uh, attender of the Louisiana State University. Some of you will get that here in a second. It was a mutual uh, dissolving of a partnership to LSU, but uh, I had a vision. And, uh, you know, I dropped out of college, but I had something in my heart that I always knew God had gifted me in the area of whether it was business or really it was at the core of it was entrepreneur spirit. And even as a, a five and six-year-old, I convinced the ice cream man, true story, I convinced the ice cream man to front me their ice cream in our neighborhood and resold it to all the kids in our neighborhood at six years old. And uh, until one day, my business did not work when the ice cream man came to collect his accounts receivable. And I did not know what that meant as a six-year-old. Uh, I just thought that I was having this ice cream for free, but uh, my dad paid the bill and then took it out of my rear end, to truth be said. <laughs> but very entrepreneurial at a young age and um, loved Jesus, knew I was saved, but I was sitting in church checking boxes, and I was unfulfilled. I knew I was going to go to heaven, was giving, check. I'm here, check. My wife loves me, check. My kids still like me, check. We're in a small group, check. We go on a missions trip every couple years, check, check. But I was still unfulfilled. And the closer I got to God, the more I looked at what I was doing for a living as just kind of second rate. It was honestly a means to an end to have a financial security to one day maybe go do something great for God. I didn't see the connection between what I was doing for a living as actually having any kind of kingdom purpose to it. Working 80 hours a week, six days a week, and I loved it. I loved it. I love, I love, I think, by the way, hard work is a holy calling. Let me clarify that. And I think it's something that's missing today. Hard work is a holy calling. And so as I was working and, and, and building this business, I never forget, um, you know, I, my first business I ever had it went from zero to $50 million in two years in my 20s. I came up with the first virtual marketplace to sell, buy and sell automobiles on the internet in 1993. And that business was wildly successful. Two years later, out of business. How does that happen? How does that happen? See, I didn't have the character to handle the blessing. 
See, you got to have both competence and character. You can be very good at what you're doing, and that'll get you in the door. But to stay there and sustain and advance, you got to have character. And so I never forget, you know, that business failing, and I thought my life was over. And, and, you know, I'm sitting there having one of those conversations with the Lord saying, my life's over. And I'm in my, you know, I'm basically 29 years old. My life's over. It was just beginning. You see, the world will want your failures, your setbacks, your challenges, your business, as we say down south. It's gonna, the world's going to try and make those things define you. But you see, God doesn't work that way. What, how God works is he wants it to refine you. You see, and I could have had a heart to say, you know what, I'm going to quit. I'm going to go get a job for someone, We're working for someone else and just kind of just coast through life. But you see, I chose the latter. I wasn't going to let that define me. I chose it to refine me. And the second business started in that basement of a rent house. And it grew into a national and now international company. And that business was wildly successful. But you see, every bit of success God gives us, there's always a kingdom purpose attached to it. He doesn't give us success just for ourselves. He gives us success so he can come to us to go through us. And I'm not talking about... This is not a money message. This is a kingdom purpose message. Colossians 1.16 says this. Colossians 1.16 says you're created by God for God. The whole chapter in chapter 1 is the supremacy of God. Well, so what did you create me, God, to do? And it's only in that area, I call it the lane. You know, this is a race town. I love it. I love cars. You know, I love anything, especially like vintage cars, old cars, muscle cars. I just eat that stuff up. And uh, I'd rather do that than anything else, kind of work on old cars, restoring them. And... But you've got a lane God's called you to run in. Your purpose, your provision, your passion, your protection, and your pace is all found in that lane. It's not found other, other places. What the enemy wants you to do is take a wrong exit out of your lane of offense, a wrong exit out of an area of life to get you out of your lane. Or we see our lane that God's given us sometimes as a limitation because we're comparing it to somebody else's lane. But God's saying, no, 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 no. I've created you for kingdom purpose and don't see your lane as a limitation. See it as an invitation from me for you to fulfill all that I've called you and created you to do. You see, I was checking all those boxes, and I was unfulfilled. I remember I missed three Sundays. In the South, you miss three Sundays, you're going to hell. <laughs> and so I was feeling guilty, and I was hiding from my pastor. I'm a grown man. I'm in the foyer, very committed. Pastor's one of my best friends, and so I'm hiding from him. I'm, like, avoiding him behind the beams, and, you know, he's, like, high-fiving, loving people before the service in the, in the, uh, uh, the foyer, and I'm hiding from him. Because I was guilty of the sin of missing church. And man, I felt so horrible. And I remember he saw me and he beelined over to me and he says, why are you avoiding me? He goes, what you been doing? And I said, pastor, I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I've missed three Sundays. And uh, I said, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to close this bank. It was our first big fish that we were going to close. And I said, it's going to change the whole trajectory of my company, our lives, our finances, everything. When I said finances, he kind of leaned in a little more. He said, oh, really? That's great. And I said, 
But I got to tell you this. I just feel guilty for missing church. And he said, Lee, and this changed my life. He said, Lee, don't you know you can do more for our church closing that deal than you can coming to my men's night? Now, if you're in town, you need to be in church because we need spiritual family. You need spiritual family. But if you're out and you're trying to build that business during the week, God made you from Monday through Friday. He made you for kingdom purpose. And watch this. And this, this was amazing to me. It set me free. He said, what you do for a living is a holy calling. It's redemptive. And it's equally as important as the calling that's on my life as your senior pastor. See, we don't look at what we do Monday through Friday of having any spiritual significance. And I don't care if you're working at Chick-fil-A cooking up some of God's chicken. Or you own 50 Chick-fil-A's. This is not about, oh, I've got to arrive to a place to be used by God. You can be a student. You can be someone who works for someone. You can be, it doesn't matter. If you're not in full-time ministry and you're on staff at Freedom House, this is your area. Your Monday through Friday is a holy calling. you got to see it as that. Then, see, what happened to me that day is all of a sudden, I started understanding the difference between calling and purpose. Calling is what was in my hand. I could do business easy every day. Wake up, automatically just, I knew what I was doing. It was my wheelhouse. Purpose is something that was in my heart that I wanted to be used by God to do something great. But it was distant. It was mysterious. I could not quite get the whole picture. How many of you know God doesn't give you the whole picture? It's the journey that makes you in life, and we have to stay on the journey. And then as we stay on it, these things start coming to life, and it starts, we start seeing it. If we don't quit, we win. I'll say that again. If we don't quit, guys, we win. And so God then takes me on this journey because in my heart, I wanted to be used by God to fund projects and missions. My wife and I have a missions-minded heart, and you know we've, helped, we've rescued over 505 women in the U.S. out of the sex trade, and it's because of generosity, yeah? But I wouldn't be here, nor would we have done that if I hadn't been faithful to the business calling to create a platform to be able to fulfill what God created me to do. It has nothing to do with the size of a gift or the size of your influence. It's simply being faithful to what we do have in our influence, in our time, in our wisdom. There are some people in here, you've got tons of wisdom you need to give away. Every one of us needs an upstream and every one of us needs a downstream. Upstreams are where you get wisdom from. But you can only get fulfilled if you give that wisdom away to a downstream. But the difference between calling and purpose is you got to know what the more is for. You know, God gives seed to the sower. You've heard that scripture. He doesn't give seed to the keeper. He gives seed to the sower. And so I'm like, okay, Lord, I've blown it many a times. And I'm sure I'm going to blow it in the future sometime. But you just use me. So every day I go before the Lord. Lord, you, this morning, search my heart. Do I have any issues in my heart? Search my heart, then let me be fed by your word, and then I can be led by your spirit. So we got to be searched, fed, and led every day so that we can be used by God. If you're taking notes, I'm going to give you my story, my discovery, my place, and my legacy. 
See, you don't want to know what I think. You want to know what I've done. I don't want to know what people think. I want to know what have you actually done. I want to see what your life has actually been. And then it's in that that, okay, all right, I've watched your life. What have you given away? What have you learned and lived? Not just learned. What have you learned and lived? I had two life-changing questions for me as part of my discovery. The two most important questions ever asked. Number one was an old pastor friend of mine. He was a, uh, in the AFL. That's before the NFL. His nose was 90 degrees this way. He was a man's man. He made, for all my old folks in here, remember the Miami Dolphins, Larry Zonka? Larry was a great running back, but he was not the most handsome man on the planet. And so, but my, my guy made Larry Zonka look like a supermodel. And so Pastor Curry, he basically said, Lee, I got a question I need to ask you. He said, son, he goes, you've got this business gift on your life, and it's strong. But if that thing's not submitted to God, it's going to kill you. He said, so my question to you, son, is are you led or are you driven? It's a good question. I said, well, Pastor Curry, you know, I had to put Jesus in it. I said, so Pastor Curry, I'm driven. I'm going to do something great for God. I'm going to fund the kingdom of God. He said, son, that's the wrong answer. He says, don't you know that the Holy Spirit leads, but demons drive? And I was like, wow, I didn't know that. (laughs) And he said, son, he goes, you know, it's kind of like when you're driven, someone has to lose. When you're driven, there's always collateral damage in the wake of that. To be successful has cost you. It may have cost your marriage, your health, your kids, but you sacrifice something to build a dynasty rather than God wanting you to leave a legacy. So there's a big difference between legacy and dynasty. All of us are going to have a legacy one day. The type of legacy we leave is up to us. And you have breath in your lungs, and if you're a young person, you're saying, man, that's like legacy. That's like old people words. (laughs) No, it's not. Your legacy starts today. So let's make wise decisions. So I spent my whole life thinking I'm going to build a dynasty and be driven by it. But then I look at my life and it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Dynasties are about self. I have to do this. Legacies are about others. Legacies are generational. Legacies are investing in something that's going to outlive me later. My second question, it kind of blew me away when this was asked. This was actually asked by my current pastor, and he said, you know, Lee, he goes, is what you're giving to, is what you're giving your life to going to show up in heaven? And I'm like, he goes, I know you're philanthropic, you and your wife, but is what you're giving your life to, is it going to show up in heaven? And I'm like, well, LSU's purple and gold, that's the colors of heaven. (laughs) I was giving my thing to my life to things that don't matter. And I'm going to tell you, at 58 years old, whoever said 50 is a new 30, they lied. <laughs> 50 is 50. I was telling them young bucks in the back before we came in here, I was like, man, what it would be like. He said, I'm 48. I was like, what it would be like to be 48 again. <laughs> 50 is 50. But I'm focused a lot less, guys, on a third generation of wealth and more on the third generation of faith. 
because it's like really important. God's given us this opportunity to advance like never before. And my place, my place is simply the local church. The local church is not the hope of the world. The local church mobilized is the hope of the world. And so what are we doing? God's put us in this beautiful gumbo called the local, the big C church. It's got seasoning from all over the place. Some of you caliente, some of you got, you know, you salty, some of you pepper, some of you sugar, but boy, it's a perfect blend of God's creation called the local church. And it's, we need spiritual family. You know why? Because none of us in this room are as good as all of us. When you stay in your lane, Pastor Troy stays in his lane, Aaron stays in his lane, we build a super highway and we get a whole lot done for the kingdom of God. So stay in your lane. Pastors set vision, but business people set the pace of it. Pastors have great vision, but it can only go as fast and accelerate to the, how people in the marketplace are actually getting behind it. So that was my place. I sat there and said, you know, as a marketplace person, I kind of guys look at the local church. Think about this for a second. I look at it like a kingdom mutual fund. Think about it. What's a mutual fund? A mutual fund is, a, is an investment managed by fund managers that actually is diversified to maybe manage level of risk and, and returns and outcomes. But local churches, buildings, real estate, brick and mortar, it's next generation, students, education, leadership, it's local, national, global missions and outreach. And you invest in a local church, but this is the big factor, and I think it gets lost a lot. It's not just to rescue girls out of the sex trade. That's noble, and it's amazing, and we should do it. But should we withhold the greatest gift of all, which is salvation through Jesus Christ? So we got to be both handling the physical needs, which is the rescue out of the sex trade, which is bringing people cold water in Jesus' name, but we need to make sure we're doing it in Jesus' name. Because otherwise... It's not going to show up in heaven. I remember we were in a building project, Freedom House, in Louisiana back in 2005. But what you don't know is the backstory. We were in a building project for our first building, and it was the longest project next to Noah's Ark. <laughs> we had campaign after campaign after campaign. It was like build a vision. Then it was chapter two, build a bigger vision. Then it was chapter three, help a brother out because we didn't get all we needed on the first two campaigns. Would you please pray about giving again? People were wore out. It was eight years of campaigns. We were tired. Like, brother, please stop talking about that campaign. So then we started building the building. We started building the project. And Hurricane Katrina came. And so we had started and there's walls up and the roof's on and all of a sudden... The project, because they didn't lock in all the, every, all the things that were needed, they didn't lock it in, and so the price on the project doubled. So then what happens next, right? The bank shows up. Bank shows up and says, y'all need to shut this project down. It's too big of a gap. We need to board the windows up, and like the subs need to get off the property like today. And I remember pastor calling me because my office was like 200 yards down in an office complex. And he called me. He said, Lee, he goes, the bank's here. I said, okay. 
and uh, he says, it's not good. He goes, can you get over here right now? And I said, sure, pastor. So I get over there, and um, Banks, you know, across the table, we're having a conversation, kind of frank conversation, and uh, I was not Pastor Lee. All full disclosure, I was Mafia Lee. And, <laughs> and so I'm like, you know I, know, I know I look like an accountant, but I was going to lay hands on that brother. And so I'm sitting there going, uh-uh. I said, uh-uh. You, you ain't shutting nothing down. And so he and I are having this heated discussion and look over at Pastor. Pastor's got his hands on his head like this. And, and I'm like, is he praying? Is he crying? What's he doing? And this, this bank's wanting to shut the project down. And, you know, we had lots of banks as clients. And so um, <laughs> he stands up and he says, we're not stopping. I said, okay, brother's got to get the faith. He goes, we're not stopping. He goes, I know God told me to build this building. I don't know how we're going to get the money. And I know there's no policy in your credit policy for a provision that God's going to show up. But I'm telling you, God's going to show up. Amen. And so I'm like, yeah, I gave him an amen. I was like, amen. Now I said, but that's going to take a plan too. And so he basically, the bank goes, well, you have six months to raise $7 million. I kind of did that too. <laughs> and he basically at that point... He leaves, and I look over at Pastor, and I'm like, what were you doing? Were you praying? What was, he goes, Lee, God spoke to me. And I said, common sense. Well, what did God say? Because the bank's coming back. <laughs> and he said, and we got to have a plan. <clears throat> he said, well, I was praying, my life's over. This is going to be a black eye on our community. My life's over. He thought all these young moms, single moms that had given to this project. It was just like, it was overwhelming. He said, my life's over. And he said, then God spoke to me and said this. He said, son, don't make me look small in this meeting or you will regret it the rest of your life. And when he said that, something on the inside of me just became titanium. I'm like, it's on like Donkey Kong. I was like, <laughs> I was like it is on. I said, God's going to show up. And faith rose in me, and what you don't know is that second business, we were being courted by a very large company. The big, the, they owned my market space that we were in. And we were in a process of being sold, and, and I'll never forget. I'm thinking, okay, well, this must be part of it that's going to help with that gap. And sure enough, we get the uh, LOI, the letter of intent, and there was something different about it. My wife never had peace. My wife's my secret weapon, y'all. She didn't understand half of what we did business-wise, but she could hear from God. It got to the point where even my own executive team, when we were doing business deals, they were like, yeah, it's great, boss. It's amazing. That's a great idea. We should buy this or do this or do this merger or whatever. All this is great. But we got one question. And they all have like Wharton School of Business. I mean, they're brilliant. I'm Lafayette High School, 1982. <laughs> And he, she's like, what does Laura say? Because we don't want to do anything without, we would like to know what she thinks. And i never forget my wife saying this. She goes, you know, I just don't know if that's the right company to buy our company. And I'm like, honey, look at the digits. It's got to be God. Look at the digits. I had half of it spent in my mind. And I said, look at the digits, honey. And she says, I, just, I know, baby, but I just don't think it's, I don't know if this is right. But you do what you feel. I'm supporting you. And sure enough, we're, she goes, let's pray. She's a spiritual one. I said, let's pray. So we pray, and God speaks to us and says, you can take this Ishmael or wait from Isaac. 
And we knew what that meant. I did that too. Ooh. I'm like, oh. <laughs> digits. I was like, that just like torpedoed the whole thing. And I'm like, I can't fight this. And so I'm like, okay. So I called the CEO back, said the deal's off. Two months later, the largest information services company in the world at the time calls and there's a two-minute conversation. Lee, been watching you for two years, want to buy your company, will pay up to an 11 multiple. And I was like, you don't even know who we are. We're the largest information company in the world. We know exactly who you are. Two-minute conversation. Because we were so in line because of that previous transaction, we were from an audit perspective, and we were just ready to move forward very quickly. Everything was in place. We closed in less than 60 days, and it was 10 times more. And so we got that building done. And we got, but watch this. We have a mentality in the body of Christ so much that we're sitting there going, man, we're just making God look small. Like God has a supply issue. Like he's worried about inflation going, ooh, oh man, I need to make sure we get the heavenly social security fund funded. So <laughs> it's, he doesn't have a supply issue. We've got a perspective issue. And we've got to start seeing through the lens of what I call EROI. An eternal return on investment. See, I don't invest. I wouldn't invest in a church that's not making a difference. I want to see the difference being made. I love your church is saying, you know what? We're going to have a family meeting. Komodo or whatever. I'm, I'm not going there. But we're having a family meeting, and we're just saying, here, here's what we're doing. Here's what we could do if. This is the impact that we're making. But no question you can't ask. That's integrity. You know what? That's a value in my family is transparency because transparency lays the seedbed for the foundation of trust and giving is an exchange of trust. But you got to have the EROI kind of mentality, not just seeing a return, but you need to see the return that's also going to be happening in heaven. You know, I never forget when we're, I'm sitting there talking to my pastor one day and we talking about the two moments. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, you're going to have two moments before the Lord. I said, say what? I was like, what? That didn't make any sense. I'm saved. It's a gift. I'm going to heaven. Yeah, that's right. But there's a second moment. And the second moment is only for those who are in heaven. So it's not going to be a bad moment. It's going to be a glorious moment. But you need to understand there's two moments. And I said, brother, you got to unpack that. And you got to show me the verses, what you're talking about. Because that really, I really don't understand that. And then he took me through this journey, and if I could share with you one thing, just one thing, and that's it, it would be this, what I'm sharing now. Number one, the first moment is what the Bible calls the great white throne judgment. That's kind of that's intense a little bit, but it's when we're before the Lord, he, simply this, can't earn it, do you know Jesus? Yes, you get to go to heaven. It's going to be that simple. Do you know Jesus? Is he your savior? Boom, you get to go to heaven. I call that the salvation moment. Ephesians 2.8 says, for it is by grace, say grace. grace. It is by grace that you've been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. This is a gift of God. So it's free. But we're going to have a second moment that's also called the judgment seat of Christ. I call that the EROI moment. 
eternal return and investment moment. The rewards moment. Different judgment. It's, we're in heaven. We're not being judged once we're in heaven. But it is a judgment. Much like an Olympic competition. It's going to be somebody, oh yeah, Troy McFarland, you're a gold medalist in there. You know, some are going to get gold, some are getting bronze, some are getting silver, some are just glad to be in heaven. <laughs> With a new heavenly body. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Second Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each one may receive his pay according to what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Watch this. Considering what his purpose and motive have been and what he's been achieved, been busy with and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. Revelation 22, 12. This is the end of the Bible, church. Behold, I am coming. This is Jesus. And I shall bring my wages and my rewards with me to repay you. And render to each one what his own actions and his own work merit. Like it does matter what we do with what he gave us. As it relates to not salvation, but to rewards. And I'm like, no pastor ever taught me that. So I called my other two pastors that I knew. And I was like, dude, you never told me about the two moments. It's like, really? Like I'm a competitive person. He goes, you never told me about the two moments. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 15. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building, the body of Christ. By grace, God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on a foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, and straw, for their work shall be shown for what it is. Watch this. Because the day, capital D, that's Jesus' return, will bring it to light, and it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. This is the uh, most amazing part. If what has been built survives... The builder shall receive reward. If it's burned up, the builder's going to suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even as one escaping through the flames. So we're still going to heaven. But when I read that scripture, what screamed out at me is, well, what survives? I got to know that. What survives the test? And then I took, God took me on this journey of what survives is the things that are going to show up in heaven. And the only thing that's going to show up in heaven or the things done in Jesus' name. Let me give you context. We could end poverty, sex trafficking, uh, the beautiful uh, political leadership that we have. We could heal everything. We could just get it all done. And if none of them come to Christ, we lose. We did something noble in the moment and right. But in the verge of eternity, we lose. And that just jumped out at me because, you know, I think we need to give away what we've learned and what we've lived. You can't just give away what you've learned. You got to give away what you've lived. I've never written a billion-dollar check to my church, but I am today. And you know why? Because it's it's not about me. But I'm giving my life away to over 17,000 churches and helping their kingdom builders connect to kingdom purpose that says, you know what? Pastor may set vision, but I can accelerate that vision. So, Lord, let me be the conduit that it comes to to go through. Give me wisdom beyond my own ability, Lafayette High School graduate, 
Give me, educate me if I'm uneducated. Give me favor in rooms with kings and those in authority. God has opened so many doors for me, not because I'm that smart, because there's purpose and destiny on my life that he's saying, you know what? If you give your life away, son, you'll effectuate billions of dollars. So we added that up. Last year alone, over $2 billion was given. But that's going to keep happening every year and keep growing as we're helping more churches. If you want fulfillment in what you do, you've got to come in. I, th- I say it this way. The destiny of a pastor and the destiny of a Christian business person is intertwined. But the, 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 the degree that you honor each other's gift is the degree of God's favor on your endeavors together. We're in a spiritual war, whether we like it or not. Don't get discouraged. Don't get distracted. Let's be a people who run to the fight, not cower from it. Let's be a people who run to it because the armor of God was made for war. It was never meant for the parade. It was made for war. And so, but it's a spiritual warfare that first starts on our knees. And Lord, you search me, you feed me. And then you lead me. And watch what God does. And I'm going to close with this, church. This was written to me by one of my board members two years ago. He said this. He said, today the Lord pointed me to the story of David and Goliath, where he showed me what was new for me. I saw David as the church and Goliath as fear. The fear that the entire world was experiencing to this current giant, COVID-19. I saw the Philistines as the army of Satan embodied in this virus. Fear is the giant, COVID is the army. The world wanted David to fight Goliath using traditional earthly weapons. After they had failed time and time again to solve it themselves. But David knew what had worked for him in the past. They couldn't get past the giant to fight the Philistine army. David looked back to his previous victories that God had given him, acknowledged God's hand in those, and increased his own faith, remembering how faithful his God had been. The church needs to look at God's faithfulness in real-life situations and draw newfound boldness from it. This giant will not be stopped with traditional methods, quantitative easing, promises from the government, but what but with the church's proven weapon, which is prayer. Don't miss this, though. As soon as the giant was down, David took the traditional weapon, Goliath's sword, and led the charge that routed the army. Then the rest of the Israelites pursued the enemy and drove them from the land by the sword, their traditional means. The order of this matters to our current situation. Traditional means or methods are needed and will ultimately drive this disease from the land entirely. But it will be the church and prayer that lands the first blow that cripples its advance first. God used the very real story of David and Goliath to strengthen our faith thousands of years later, but only because of the order of events. If traditional methods would have worked for the Israelites, David wouldn't have even seen the battle. Let that sink in. But that's not what happened. It was fear that crippled Israel's army. But it was faith that landed the blow of victory. David, the church in this writing, did not eradicate the enemy. He eradicated fear. Let faith arise in our hearts, Freedom House.
Let the church land the blow that crushes the giant, and let God's name be made great in the land. Bow your heads. Some of you today, you've never had an encounter with Jesus. Some of you may have been baptized at an early age, or you, have, you need to come back to Christ, but there are many of you here today that need to rectify your situation and the condition of your soul with accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I'm simply going to lead you in a prayer. Some of you, you're far from God. It's time for you to come home. God doesn't look at your past to determine your future. You need to be set free from shame because God needs you in the game. And so as I lead you in prayer, I simply want you to do this. If you're saying, Lee, man, I want to fulfill all that God has for me. I want to be a kingdom builder. I want to have my life really matter and leave a godly legacy. I want you to simply raise up your hand. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. Just raise your hand high. I see those hands. Wow. I see those hands. Whole church, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of all my sin. Set me free from shame. And I pray for a spirit of faith to arise. Because you have set me free today. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. Lord, I commit today to be fearless, to be faithful, and I'm going to finish well in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Awesome.